Turn to Psalm 4, please. This morning I wanted to share with you about Isaiah 6, that the first eight verses are a great drama that the Lord gave us that convicted and convinced Isaiah to serve the Lord with a message of condemnation. And that message of condemnation was in the last five verses of that chapter. And I wanted to share with you that the doctrine of the five verses ending that chapter were more important than the drama of the uh, vision in that chapter. And I love the vision in that chapter. But there's a third thing that's more important than either. And that third thing is that you have a vision of God. And it's a choice. It's a choice to have a vision of God. And some of us have had visions of God in the way that I want to speak just a few minutes to you this afternoon. And yet, our lives suck the life out of our souls at times with distractions, even though we hate those distractions, and even though we would prefer the vision, we still have bodies in this fleshly clay, and it steals us from seeing the glory of God. And we have to renew that, and we have to go ask the Lord to renew it in us and to us. And we have to put some effort into it. In Psalm 4, and I will be brief. So pay attention to my few words. In Psalm 4, David warned his enemies. He said in verse 3, Know that the Lord hath set apart him that is godly for himself. The Lord will hear when I call unto him. Stand in awe and sin not. Commune with your own heart upon your bed, and be still, Selah. And though David said those words to his enemies, I'm saying them to my friends. I'm saying them to my brothers and sisters. When God convicted me out of Isaiah 6, he gave me these six words from Psalm 4.4. Stand in awe, and sin not. What caused Isaiah to feel that he was undone, that he was under the woe and judgment of God, but the holiness of God, because he was in awe of what he saw and what he heard in that vision? We need to have such a vision. And so it's an imperative instruction to his enemies, stand in awe and sin not. We need to make a choice to stand in awe of God and let His holiness and His righteousness and His sovereign power affect us. It's a choice. And we need to commune with our own hearts upon our beds. It is a choice. And be still. It is a choice. Those three things are necessary. Be still and know that I am God. Be still. Commune with your own hearts. Stand in awe and sin not. Look at Genesis chapter 12. Genesis 12, Abraham is called the father of the faithful. Jesus Christ is the seed of Abraham and so are we by being Jesus Christ. In Genesis chapter 12, we can learn one of the ways that Abraham was such a great man. Abraham, God knew, God loved, God said as the father of his nation and church for 
nearly 2,000 years. God knew that Abraham would command his household after him to keep the way of the Lord. How did Abraham become such a great man? Genesis chapter 12 and verse 7, And the Lord appeared unto Abram. That's how it happened. Look at chapter 17 and verse 1. And when Abram was 90 years old and nine, the Lord appeared to Abram and said unto him, I am the Almighty God. Walk before me and be thou perfect. Look at chapter 18 and verse 1. And the Lord appeared unto him in the plains of Mamre, and he sat in the tent door in the heat of the day. God appeared to Abraham, and it made Abraham great. Look at Genesis chapter 28 and the Lord's appearance to the grandson of Abraham. Genesis chapter 28. Jacob is running away from Esau. Verse 10, And Jacob went out from Beersheba and went toward Haran. And he lighted, in verse 11, upon a certain place, and tarried there all night because the sun was set. And he took the stones of that place and put them for his pillows and lay down in that place to sleep, and he dreamed. And behold, a ladder set up on the earth, and the top of it reached to heaven. And behold, the angels of God ascending and descending on it. And behold, the Lord stood above it and said, I am the Lord God of Abraham thy father and the God of Isaac. The land whereon thou liest, to thee will I give it into thy seed, and so forth and so on. In verse 15, I am with thee and will keep thee in all places whither thou goest and will bring thee again into this land, for I will not leave thee until I have done that which I have spoken to thee of. The Lord Jesus Christ has said to us, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. In Hebrews chapter 13, you should never feel inferior to Jacob in this place, but I want you to notice what he saw. He saw God at the top of a ladder and the angels ascending and descending on that ladder, meaning they were coming from heaven to help sustain, bless Jacob in all that he did. And we have angels taking care of us. The Bible tells us in the last two verses of Hebrews chapter 1 that the angels are the servants and ministers of those that are heirs of eternal life. That's for us. Moses wanted to see the glory of God. And so God held, held him and put him in a cleft of the rock and put his hand over him and showed him his backsides as God worded it. And the backsides were words. Did you know that you can see the glory of God like Moses saw the glory of God? Because Moses heard words. And the words are written down in the Bible. And we need to go to Exodus chapter 33 and 34 from time to time to see Moses praying for the vision of God's glory. That will come back to us in a moment. We want to pray for a vision of God's glory. But it's words because it's descriptive words of God. God never revealed an image to anybody that they could copy because he didn't want anybody building something that they could think looked like him. If you read Ezekiel chapter 1, you know that nothing can be built to look like him. Fire enfolding upon itself and a wheel within a wheel and the glory and noise of the wings being like the voice of Almighty God is beyond your ability to make something. And, and I just scratched the surface of that chapter of the Bible. Ezekiel 1 is filled with wonderful descriptions of the glory of God. Ezekiel would say, this is what it looked like when I saw the likeness of the glory of God. The real glory of God is too much for us to see. 
Look at Job chapter 42. Job chapter 42. These men had visions of God and it affected them. And we want a vision of God. We want it to affect us. And we've had visions in the past, some of us. And, and what I mean by a vision is that God has been very real and up close and personal to us. And we felt as if we were in his presence and we were ready and willing to do anything for him. And there was no sin that called us at that time. And there was no service too hard that we wouldn't have given him with zeal. But we're pitiful. We flake out like Solomon. Job 42. The Lord has just spent four chapters talking to Job, and we can read about it. It's in words. But this is how Job described it. Verse 5, I have heard of thee by the hearing of the ear, because God spoke to Job out of a whirlwind. So it was words. It was audible words heard by his ears. I have heard of thee by the hearing of the ear, but now mine eye seeth thee. Wherefore, I abhor myself and repent in dust and ashes. Everything Job had ever heard about God had just been trumped by God talking about himself, and Job called it like a vision. I've now seen you. And we want to embrace Scripture and embrace preaching in a way that it gives us a vision of God. You know about Isaiah because we were there this morning. Look at Luke 5. Luke 5. You know, I remember in 1970, when I was a 13-year-old boy, there was a popular song, and it went to the top of the charts, called, Put Your Hand in the Hand of the Man. Well, the Lord Jesus Christ that I worship is not quite that casual, and you better worship Him first. His hands can do a whole lot more than hold your hand. I hated that song. I've hated it for a long time. Luke chapter 5, the Lord Jesus Christ has helped Peter catch a draft of fish. And that was his business. So he, he's just been promoted and given a, a great success. And it says in verse 6, when they, had this, when they had done what Jesus told them to do, they enclosed a great multitude of fishes and their net break. They had to call their partners. But here's the effect that it had on Simon Peter. And when you think that meeting Jesus is different than this, you don't understand Jesus yet. This is how you first relate to him. When Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees, saying, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. The Bible says the goodness of God leads us to what? Presumption. The goodness of God leads us to presumption. The goodness of God leads us to repentance and the goodness of God led Peter to repentance because the goodness of God, Peter didn't deserve that. Peter knew he didn't deserve it. Peter knew that he was in the presence of divine power and he fell at Jesus knees and told him to depart from him. That's the kind of man. That's the kind of woman. And that's the kind of almost 18 year old that the Lord wants. Depart from me, for I'm a sinful man, O Lord. When we admit our sinfulness, he directs an angel to take tongs and go to the altar, pull off a coal, put it in his hand, put it on our lips, put it on our lives, and to forgive us through the finished work of the Lord Jesus Christ. But he wants us to start this way to get a vision. 
we fall at his feet as dead. Which takes me to Rome, Revelation chapter 1. Revelation chapter 1. John, the Apostle John, not John the Baptist, but the Apostle John, had spent three and a half years with the Lord Jesus Christ. He laid on his bosom at supper. He knew him intimately. He was one of the Lord's favorites. Whenever the Lord reduced the twelve to three, John was part of the, of the three. And yet, when Jesus was glorified and met John, who was not in the flesh, John was in the Spirit on the Lord's day. But in the Spirit on the Lord's day, to meet the glorified Lord Jesus Christ resulted in this. Verse 17, and when I saw him, that's a vision, I fell at his feet as dead. And he laid his right hand upon me, saying unto me, Fear not, I am the first and the last. You know, that Jesus that many of us grew up seeing on the wall, the Bob Jones Jesus, you know, the long-haired hermaphrodite, John Lennon look-alike, Charles Manson look-alike, that, that thing. That, that, that doesn't cause terror with anyone. You know, you wonder how that guy got up in the morning. You wonder how he even eats. As Solomon would say, you don't know how he even figures out to get a fork from a plate to his mouth. Like the slothful man. I mean, it's just pitiful. I mean, compared to this, you, you want me to, do I need to read this description to you? This is not the Jesus of the Catholics that they painted in that picture. This is a totally different looking Jesus. And this same Jesus looks the very same way in chapter 19. Where did they get that idea of that picture? That abominable picture of that long-haired, effeminate man. Where did they get it from? The devil himself. It is a shame for a man to have long hair. And there's Jesus with long hair shaming himself in so many places of the world as they think that's Jesus. This is the Jesus we want right here. What do we need to look for? Did, I just shared some visions with you of, of the Lord all the way from the book of Genesis to the book of Revelation. Is that the first and the last book? Is, is God the first and the last? He's everything. What do we need to look for? You better find His holiness. I'm going to start right there. Isaiah 6 told us we're going to see His holiness. Worship Him in the beauty of love, in the beauty of providence, in the beauty of protection, in the beauty of holiness, is what the Bible teaches. We want to see His glory, which summarizes some of His perfections, His infinity, His invisibility, His immortality, His independence, His immensity. He fills heaven and earth. His intelligence, His invincibility, that's His omnipotence. His immutability, cannot change. His incarnation in the Lord Jesus Christ. And I preached all these to you in a long series entitled Knowing God. The attributes of God. To think upon them. To humble yourself and look for them in the Bible. To find one verse that has the holiness of God. And to get on your knees and say, Lord, show me your holiness. Go read about the blue ribbon. That is spelled R-I-B-B-A-N-D. Ribboned. That the Jews had to put in the bottom of their garments to remind themselves holiness unto the Lord. Because one man had gone out on the Sabbath day and picked up sticks. And they put him in the detention center and asked God, what should we do with this man? Stone him to death. And God said, in case anyone else forgets how serious it is to worship me, I want a blue 
ribboned fringe on the bottom of all the garments to remind them of the holiness of God. We want to see His power, His glory, and His loving kindness. Look at Psalm 63. Psalm 63. Lord, we want a vision of Thee. Lord, do not let this be a vain effort of mine for me or a vain effort of mine for them. Psalm 63, O God, verse 1, Thou art my God. Early will I seek Thee. Notice the zeal. Do you seek the Lord early? You young people, this is early in your life. You old people, this is early in the day. This is early when you have opportunity. Early will I seek Thee. My soul thirsteth for Thee. Do you thirst for him? He'll satisfy you. Or do you not even know what I'm talking about or what David's talking about here? My soul thirsteth for thee. I'm thirsty. I haven't had a vision. I haven't seen you in a while. Show yourself to me. My flesh longeth for thee in a dry and thirsty land where no water is to see thy power and thy glory so as I have seen thee in the sanctuary. That is why we go to church. We don't go to church only to see our buddies. We go to church to see him in the sanctuary. Because thy loving kindness is better than life, my lips shall praise thee. Thus will I bless thee while I live. I will lift up my hands in thy name. My soul shall be satisfied as with marrow and fatness, and my mouth shall praise thee with joyful lips. When? When does a man receive so many blessings? When I remember thee upon my bed and meditate on thee in the night watches. This is a vision of God, and it's a choice. David said he was thirsty. David said he hadn't had such a vision in a long time, but this is how he was going to go about doing it, and he knew that it included the sanctuary, which is where we are right now. We want to see his terror. Paul said, knowing the terror of the Lord, we persuade men. We want to see his works, whether in the Bible whether in creation, providence, or our lives. His works are infinitely superior to athletic, academic, or financial works of men. Love. We want to see the love of Christ for us, and it should change us. Paul said, the love of Christ constraineth me. It changed his life. It put a straitjacket on him. He could only go in one direction, and that was to service of the Lord Jesus Christ. Where do you look in the sanctuary? One verse should be enough for you. In the Word of God, Scripture details God's nature, His attributes, His works, His commandments, His judgments. They're all there for us to learn, to see, to meditate upon, to ask Him to open it up to us. Why did Isaiah 6 affect someone in this church? Why did Isaiah 6 affect some of you reading it last night that didn't tell the church, or I didn't let it out that it affected you? Why did it affect me? Because there's passages like that that the Lord can bring to life. Do you have them? Do you know them? Do you know where to go in the Bible? And have the Lord revive you again. So we look in Scripture. Funerals are a great place to go. It's the house of mourning. It's far better than the house of feasting. I hope every one of you will remember that. Think about it. The house of mourning is better than the house of feasting, and every wise man will lay it to his heart. Creation declares the glory of God. The heavens declare the glory of God. Zach, thank you. That's Zach. That's the one too. They're both Zachs. This Zach, 
saw some lightning last night, and it blessed his soul, and he blessed the Lord for it. And I know that some of you love his creation. And he, the heavens declare the glory of God. We should look at the heavens. He, wa he wants to get up right now and tell you how many gigawatts are in one thunderhead. Because the power of God. And David loved the power of God, and it should move us, his providence in our lives. Look at Psalm 107, since it's not too far away. Psalm 107. Oh, Lord, we want a vision. Verse 43. You know, this, psalm, this particular psalm describes different kinds of men, and then it summarizes after each kind of man, like in verse 8. Oh, that men would praise the Lord for his goodness and for his wonderful works to the children of men with an exclamation point. And you've got that at verse 8. You've got that at verse 15. You've got it at verse 21. And you've got it at verse 31. And it says in verse 43, Whoso is wise and will observe these things, even they shall understand the loving kindness of the Lord. If we'll just look around and think about God's goodness. Look at my brother Jim. He doesn't deserve that woman sitting next to him. Look at my sister Jacqueline. She doesn't deserve that husband sitting next to her. And so we should look around and rejoice. Whoso is wise and will observe these things, even they shall understand the loving kindness of the Lord. This is how we do it. Do you like storms? I love storms. The Lord's whispering to us. It's never loud enough. Someday, maybe, the Lord will give me a big one. Uh, storms are precious to see and hear Him. It's called the voice of the Lord in uh, Psalm 29. How to look. I just showed you where. In the sanctuary, scriptures, funerals, creation, providence, and storms. How to look. You ask for it. Y you have not because you ask not. When was the last time you asked the Lord for a vision? And said, I, I don't mean Benny Hinn vision. But when was the last time you prayed for a vision of the Lord? Be still. You're in Psalms. Look at 46.10. I've quoted it once. Let's look at it, though. Our, no, our lives are too noisy. Where did, we, where did we already run into the words, be still? Oh, I think it was Psalm 4.4, wasn't it? Psalm 4.4. Stand in awe. Commune with your own heart upon your bed. Be still. you got to have some time alone. you got to have some time away. you got to get rid of that stupid phone that you carry, that's distracting you all the time, that you want to look down there and see who's texting you about what kind of toast they had for breakfast that morning. You want to be still. Look at verse 10. Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the heathen. I will be exalted in the earth. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our refuge. Selah. Stop and consider it. Be still. We've got to be still to have a vision from the Lord. You've got to get your priorities right. God doesn't care about how much money you make, how fit you are, or how educated or intelligent you are. And he lists those three things in Jeremiah 9 as being not worth getting excited about because knowing him is far better to get excited about than those three things about life. We want to be bold and aggressive like Joshua. Joshua was the understudy of Moses. And when Moses went into the tabernacle and would meet with the Lord, they would talk face to face. And Moses' bodyguard had to be close by. This is a wonderful verse. 
This is Exodus 33:11. I'm trying to avoid turning to it, and I'll probably talk longer than reading it. And Moses, when he would finish with the Lord, would go into the camp to go about his business. And do you know what it tells us in Exodus 33:11? Joshua, though he was his right-hand man, no way. I am not leaving this place. Okay, we're going to look at it. Exodus 33:11. I mean, it's it's special. Exodus 33:11. And the Lord spake unto Moses face to face. Moses is one of the greatest men in the history of the world. Both Testaments tell us that. Do you know why God had to bury Moses? Because those Israelites, if they'd have had his corpse, they'd have embalmed that because of the wisdom they brought out of Egypt, and they'd have worshipped that thing. God buried him. Exodus 33, 11, The Lord spake unto Moses face to face as a man speaketh unto his friend. Who wants a relationship with the Lord like that? I'm first. You can get the leftovers. But I'm telling you, with the Lord, the leftovers is, are as good as what's in first place because He is divisible with every one of us. You know what Paul would tell even the men in Athens? He is not very far from every one of us. Is that, that's exciting. And he turned again into the camp. That is Moses. I'm in the middle of Exodus 33, 11. But his servant Joshua, the son of Nun, a young man, Departed not out of the tabernacle. You young men, what are you striving for in life? What are you seeking in life? What's important to you in life? What are you looking for? What do you think you're accomplishing? You want to do something great and something big? Then be like Joshua right here. Say, the pastor's too busy. He doesn't have the relationship with the Lord I want. Put a hurting on me. Just tell me about it. It's for young men. Do it with your whole heart. Jeremiah 29, 13 says, When you seek for him with your whole heart, you'll find him. And do it with the Holy Spirit, because without the Holy Spirit, you'll never do it. The emphasis that I have tried to give you in the last year from the book of Ephesians, and the emphasis on the Holy Spirit, we want the spirit of revelation in Ephesians 1, 17, the spirit of revelation in the knowledge of we want the spirit of revelation in the knowledge of him. The Holy Spirit is Him. The Holy Spirit can show us everything that we want to learn about God. Why should we look? Because He said to. Lord, when you said, Seek ye my face, I said, Thy face, Lord, will I seek. That's Psalm 27, 8. Because He delights in those who delight in Him. Look at the effect it had on Job. It crushed his self-righteousness. Look at the effect on Isaiah. It convicted him and called him to service. Look at the effect on Peter. It showed him his sins and led him to serve. Because you need him now and later. And there's no help like Jeshurun. Riding upon the heavens to rescue you. Exodus 33, 26 and 27. And underneath are the everlasting arms. When should you look? Right now. Seek ye the Lord while he may be found. Seek ye the Lord while he may be found. Did the church of the Old Testament take too long? They took too long, and he withdrew from them. You are alive today to seek him. There's a verse that we always have to defend ourselves against. 
because the people that use it don't understand it. The Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some men count slackness, but is long-suffering to usward, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Do you know why Jesus Christ hasn't come back yet for every one of God's elect to be regenerated and to repent and to seek him? Seek him while he may be found. That is Isaiah 55 and verse 6. There's nothing in your life to compare to a vision of God. Don't let church attend. Church attendance is not a vision of God. Church is one way we go to meet with him, to behold the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. Psalm 27, 4, but do not be content with something so slight and immaterial compared to what I'm talking about. May the Lord bless us to be like an Abraham and to fall at the feet of God as dead like John and everyone in between that had visions of God, that we would pray for it, seek it, find it in his word, and take time every day to be still and know that I am God. May the Lord bless that short effort to encourage you to have a vision of the Lord. Some of you had a vision before, and the zeal and the fire and the, the beauty of it has dissipated. Let's get it revived. Amen. He's able to revive with a spoken word. He can show us a verse and revive it. And I'm thankful in His providence. He led us to Isaiah 6, 1 through 8. For you and for me. May the Lord bless the preaching of His word. Amen.